Is an early season stud going to miss a juicy matchup this weekend? Is a one-footed Sammy Watkins startable in lineups in Week 13? And should Emmanuel Sanders be benched against Jacksonville? Plus, the 11th place team owner in the FFPC main event and former $200,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner Paul Friel joins us to discuss his quest for a second national title and what he did to his roster with waivers closing this week in the FFPC. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. We run a brand with a structure with the number one commitment. It's all a joke between Monk and Drax and the Carpenters. Thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak uh, and Addicts. Welcome. Way to mispronounce my cool nickname. To December Fantasy Football. I'm so excited. I forgot the English language. I want to welcome the Gerzak and Addicts, or whatever language that is. It's the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is, of course, the patron saint at fantasy football. He is known as the Dizzle. I know him as Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, what San Diego receiver is the one that will tally the most points this weekend? What options should you consider if you are missing Marcus Mariota on bye? And the 11th place team in the 2016 FFPC main event, Paul Friel, shares his story on winning $200,000 a few years back. What Saints receiver he would not start in a high-scoring affair and much, much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak, you can uh, give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. That is the phone number to call and chime in with us. You can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to get them to us. Our producer and mutual friend, Rob, our audio engineer, Bryce, working very, very hard to get to all those questions so we can answer them on the air. And fantasy feedback later on in the show. Bryce is very excited, Dave, because he is actually going to be heading up to Lambeau Field. Bryce is a diehard Lions fan. This is Kamish Bryce for anybody who is wondering. He Bryce, commissioned- my, Bryce, the porn star name Masters. Right. He is uh, coming up to uh, Lambeau Field with you and I on Sunday morning for the Packers-Texans game along with uh, our good friend Aaron, yeah. who is uh, also attending. And the reason we get those tickets is because our good friend and unofficial third co-host of the show, Farrell Elliott, actually represents one of the linebackers on the Houston Texans, Brian Peters. And uh, he was able to get these tickets with the intention that Farrell and, of course, uh, the, the uh, KFFSC world-renowned assistant Jesse Bumstead would be coming up and going to this game with us. The, the Kentucky Balky. The Kentucky Balky. 
unfortunately, uh, Farrell's mom is uh, is in not the greatest health right now. So Farrell had to stay back in Kentucky, and we certainly wish the best for her. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we get to see Farrell again soon. But you and I are still going up there with Aaron and Bryce. It's going to be very exciting. Bryce is uh, again a Lions fan, so I don't know uh, how much he will enjoy it. But it, it Lambeau Field's great, man. We're, and we're going to be in the. From what I, you told me, right? What do you mean the Texans section? We'll be in the te- with the Texans family and friends. So the, right the next pl- to Duke's mom, the players' wives, yeah, kind of girlfriends. Yep, mistress size. I don't know if, if they <laughs> if they bring the mistress size to the game, but maybe you never I know. Use a different plural. Wifey, wifey, girlfriends, and mistresses all there. <laughs> so that'll be very exciting. This is actually the first Packers game you and I have gone to together. As weird as that sounds, you and I were actually at the same Packers game a few years back, but we sat in different seats. Um, so this is actually the first time we're going, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. I'm a little nervous that you will not. Well, the last time I went to a Packer game was with uh, my buddy, Kurt. Right, that was the game I was at. Yeah, and we left at halftime because they were leading 27 nothing, and my feet were, like, frozen solid. It was a Thursday, it Thursday night or a, I think it was a Sunday night game against the Cowboys. No, and I realized why we got the tickets, because it was cold and crappy. Right. Oh, here, enjoy, can, enjoy the game. And that was actually a November game. This will be a December game. Yeah. By the way, my wife pulled out a big stack of foot and hand warmers that she had left. Oh, that's great because I forgot to get them tonight. And I'm, I'm going to be so. I'm going to be Christmas shopping tomorrow morning, so I suppose I could have picked them up then. But that's you know, this good whole that conversation we could have just had before the show, probably. We probably should have. Um, other <laughs> bit of fantasy news. I don't know if you saw this, but um, former fantasy handcuff uh, Joe McKnight actually passed away this week uh, tragically in, in, uh, in a gun accident with – well, not an accident. Well, I don't know. I don't want to politicize it. But he's no longer with us. Uh, hopefully the, the better days that have been ahead for the McKnight family get here very soon. So rest in peace to Joe McKnight. Uh, high stakes lowdown this week on rotaviz.com. Kurt Kikis was actually the guest this week. It was interesting to have him on because he – and playing partner, friend of the show, Mike Santos, won $280,000 in two separate events last year. So very cool for him to tell that story. He also talked about uh, a couple of his FFPC main event teams, one of which that is, uh, I believe, in the top 80 right now. So he's got a shot to win big this year. Uh, very interesting stuff, and I invite you to check that out at rotoviz.com podcast or on the Rotoviz iTunes feed. Uh, let's get to some fantasy football analysis here. Thanks to Roto World, Roto Pass, and Rob, the three R's, for tonight's rundown. Let's kick things off with uh, not so great news if you're a Rob Gronkowski owner, because Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reported that Gronk underwent surgery today on a herniated disc in his back and is expected to sideline him for about two months. You won't get into the Gronk analysis because you're pretty much not going to have him for the remainder of the season. If you look at how this affects the other Patriots receivers, I don't think Julian Edelman can get much higher of a value than he already had because he was already getting a ton of targets in this offense with Gronk out there. Malcolm Mitchell might take a little bit of a bump up. He has been very successful at scoring the football, which is always good in fantasy football. Uh, A few touchdowns over the last couple of weeks for Malcolm Mitchell. He's certainly coming on as a good outside receiver and good outside threat in that offense, and Tom Brady seems to trust him. Clearly, you would assume that Martellus Bennett would be the biggest beneficiary in this uh, Gronk absence, but he hasn't been that great uh, the last couple of weeks. Even when Gronk has not been heavily involved in the offense, Dave, Martellus Bennett really hasn't been either. It's been Malcolm Mitchell. It's been Julian Edelman. I'm actually tempering my expectations on Martellus Bennett a little bit. In fact, one league I have him in, 
not playing him this week. Really? Yeah. Who do you got? Who you haven't seen? Well, I mean, it's Greg Olson, but he is against Seattle, so. Yeah. Yeah, Ben's just been, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Brady will throw to the open player, so if Ben's not open, he'll just throw to somebody else. Is he, I wonder if he's been run blocking more. Martellus Bennett? Yeah. You know, they, they have had some offensive line issues this year, and LeGarrette Blount has been really good all season. I mean, he has not had that many bad games. Plus, you have Deion Lewis and James White. Uh, getting a fair share of that uh, passing offense and Deion Lewis really coming on. This could be maybe the Gronk injury is the coming out party for Deion Lewis now for the remainder of the season. Uh, I am starting Deion Lewis for the first time in a league this week. And uh, I, I feel like that this, uh, we might be seeing um, a fantasy factor coming in for the championship sprint displaying himself this week in the uh, body of Deion Lewis. So let me ask you about that. So James White still has been getting snaps. So what's the story on that? Interesting. And we don't know. Uh, it's it's <laughs> oh, been weird right. because a lot, of people, a, a lot of people assumed that once Deion Lewis was fully healthy and demonstrated that in the field, that James White would lose snaps. And that really hasn't been the case. It's been more of a, uh, a 50-50 split between those guys for the passing down work. I think <laughs> yeah, that changes so this week. Of a 50-50 split. Of, of a 50-50 split. So <laughs> it's a 25-25 split. But I do believe that Deion Lewis... Uh, takes a step forward this week. That is my, I don't know, how, even if you can call it a bold prediction, I just think he has a big game this week. And there's okay. only a 50% chance of that. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> again, you're getting into the whole fuzzy math, and I was told there would be none on the show tonight. Once again, there was. Uh, they play the Los Angeles Rams. The thing that you have to be worried about, and I know some people are saying, oh, you might have to bench Tom Brady. You know, in the next couple of weeks, they play Baltimore and then are on the road at Denver. I don't know if it's that much money at stake, man. I'm, I'm probably playing Tom Brady unless I had a really, really good option instead of him, I, even without Gronk. I know he's a different quarterback, but he's still Tom Brady. So I'm, I'm not downgrading Brady too much with this Rob Gronkowski news. Marvin Jones listed as questionable, questionable for this week's game. And normally I would not bring this up because it's, you know, you're like Marvin Jones, bulky. That guy hasn't done anything since week three. Well, He's taking on the Saints this week. Dave, I don't know how many home games the Saints have had this year, but do you know what the average total, actual, not, not projected total by Vegas, actual total points in home games in New Orleans is this year? The, com- the combined team? Combined total, yeah. Uh, 58. 67.5, <laughs> which is insane. So this is the reason I bring this up with Marvin Jones, because a lot of people thought that they'd be able to flex him out and – you know, uh, he would get, uh, you know, make some, make some plays and be starter worthy this week. And it may not be the case. Beat writers uh, said that Jones did not practice much during the week. The Detroit Free Press had an article today that Jones is a significant question mark to play against the Saints. Dave Burkett tweeted out today that he thinks Jones will play, but does not believe Jones is 100%. I think you lean on the side of no production the last month. I think you lean on the side of this guy's not healthy. You also have to think about Eric Ebron, who put up a really, really bad score last week. You've got to believe that Matthew Stafford works to get him more involved. Golden Tate's been very good in this offense. Theo Riddick is going to be catching passes. I'm benching Marvin Jones in every league. Yeah, and actually in the chat room, we're talking about Ebron a little bit. And, you know, because he had a zero last week, a lot of times people get, I've had this happen. I get whipsawed on players if I, you know, start, and start them and bench them. I would leave Ebron in the lineup this week. I think he's going to get. You know, I think he only had one target last week. He's going to get multiple targets this week, hopefully like 10. And with Jones being out, that actually even lends more to that theory. Same thing, same thing with uh, Sterling Shepard, actually, with the yes. Giants. Um, 
you know, Eli apologized for not getting targets to him. He'll have like a dozen targets this week. He'll probably have a huge game. I believe you are correct. And you know the other guy who complained about his role, a guy who did not see one target in the game's most prolific passing offense, oh, yeah. playing in the same game as Marvin Jones, oh, yeah, and that's, that's Brandon right. Cooks. And I believe he goes off this week as well. Maybe right. at the expense of Michael Thomas. We're going to talk to Paul Friel about that because he has Michael Thomas on this main event team that is in 11th place. And we'll talk a little bit about he had an interesting rationale why he wanted to make sure he got Thomas on the team, not necessarily Cooks. And I believe that he will be uh, playing Michael Thomas, even though Brandon Cooks should be going off this weekend. Tyrell Williams practiced today for the San Diego Chargers, according to the San Diego Union Tribune. He says he will play on Sunday against the Buccaneers. Williams said he should be 100% by Sunday. Now, he is dealing with a torn labrum. I don't know what 100% is when you have a torn labrum. Uh, so I, I don't think he will be quite at 100%. Mike McCoy, the head coach for the Chargers, said he's played with this injury before. He had the same injury in college. He understands what he's dealing with. He knows what he can and can't do. You have some uh, labral See, experience. I, wanna, I was just going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to bore people to death for the 25th time talking about my labral Please do. Injury. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, you should be able to play through it. As long as you don't, you know, as long as you're not doing like, it, the labrum, really the bad thing is if you were like a, a swimmer and trying to do the backstroke. Because every time you, know, you would come out of joint when you're trying to do the backstroke. So as long as you're not bringing your arm past, like, straight up, right. you know, if you're reaching for the sky, if you go past that, then you're in trouble. But as long as you, if you're, if you get your hands in front of you and everything like that, or if you're making body catches, you should be fine. San Diego uh, Union Tribune also had a story today. This is, I actually found this out from ESPN uh, injury analyst or uh, sports, uh, whatever you call it. Uh, I, I think she's a... Um, I don't know, some kind of injury expert. I don't, it starts with a P. I don't know what the name, physical therapist, I think is what she is. Stefania Bell from the ESPN Fantasy Focus podcast. She said that in this article in the San Diego Union Tribune, a reporter asked Tyrell Williams if he could hail a cab. And he said, oh, yeah, no problem. And I guess he reached up his hand, waved, mm-hmm. wasn't even an issue, didn't wince, no pain whatsoever. So that, I think, has to have you feeling good. If you're playing the Chargers receiver this week, Hopefully Tyrell Williams, because I'd rather play him over Emmitt, and I'd rather play him over Travis Benjamin. By the way, if she was an injury expert, she should know that he could be able to hail a cab with this injury. But anyway, I'm just she's saying. probably got about 84,000 Twitter followers. I have about 900. Well, we don't know how many are fake, how I've, many are real. I've been purging people. Yeah, you have been. <laughs> the Twitter purge of uh, 2016 for Dave Gerzak. Jordan Matthews is a true 50-50 game-time decision for this weekend's game against Cincinnati, according to Elliot Shore Parks of NJ Advanced Media. He was actually downgraded today, Dave, to a did not participate after he practiced in a limited fashion yesterday. Eagles not having very much luck fielding a lot of healthy receivers this week, so they are hoping that Matthews can play. Nelson Aguilar, a goaler? A goaler. Oh, no. no. Aguilar. (laughs) That guy sucks. Benched last week because of some mental issues with all the drops he's been having. He's probably going to have to uh, play a significant role in this game against Cincinnati if Jordan Matthews can't go, but the guy who's kind of exciting here, and I don't know if you can pull the trigger and start him if Matthews is out, is Doriel Green Beckham. The, the notorious DGB, That's right. as you would call him. Uh, I, I can't envision a scenario where I'd be willing, especially in a Week 13 game with, with so much on the line, I don't think I could play DGB, even if Matthews is ruled out. Uh, yeah, I'd rather rule with a guy like a Tyler Boyd, where you actually feel confident about the targets. Um, but if, you, if you're truly desperate, why not throw him in there? Uh, or you know, like a, a Kenny Britt type guy, a player you picked up off waivers. Britt's actually, with Austin possibly missing, he could be a top 25 receiver this week. Let's talk about, uh, get back to that Saints-Lions game and uh, talk about the New Orleans backfield. Mark Ingram actually returned to practice today. Remember, he uh, listed as questionable 
with that toe injury that he's been battling. Uh, Nick Underhill on Twitter uh, said that uh, Ingram said, we'll see about his status on Sunday. He did not practice Wednesday, did not practice Thursday, uh, did practice today. And he said the toe felt good today. It's interesting because if Ingram's out, Hightower makes a pretty good start as an RB2 in that game. Does, yeah. I'm actually, I think if you own Ingram and Hightower, you're actually rooting for Ingram to miss this game. Probably, yeah. Because if he's healthy, you probably play him. I mean, not if he's healthy. He's clearly not going to be healthy. If he's active, you have to play him. Uh, and you can't really play both Ingram and Hightower despite this total, which, I don't know, it's got to be could. in the 50s. You could, but you're, you know, there's a... Oh, yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, well, they both scored. I mean, they both had good points last week. I think uh, Hightower caught that big pass or something. Right? I don't. I don't want to make it seem like there's no possibility for both these guys to put up 15 fantasy points this week. There's a possibility. They clearly could. Probably will. Really? Probably. I, okay, hold on. How confident do you feel about that? I'm not going to bet you like even money that they both do. I give you odds. Like what? Okay. Well, first of all, you just said it probably will happen. Okay. I mean, there's, there's a, okay, uh, give me two to one, 15 points. All right, fine. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a, I'll, I'll take that. Shot. All right. So I, I got five on Tim Hightower and Mark Ingram, both not, uh, one of them, they both have to, both to have score. to be active. Both have to be active for the, the bet to activate. Right. And then both have to score 15. If one of them scores 15 yeah, or more and the other one doesn't, I win. Yes. If they both do, you win two. So you win 10. So technically you have 10. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have, Okay. Look, you know, whatever. We, Let's, we, we, we got to get to the. We got to get to the. Okay. So anyway, I yes, got, yes, I got, I got five, five on it. All right. Now that we bored everybody, we we legal brief off, on this bet. Let's take a break. <laughs> we have to get to a break right now. But when we come back, we will be joined by our tonight's guest, the former 2005 WCOF two hundred thousand dollar champion Sweet. and eleventh place in the FFPC main event this year overall. Paul Friel is going to. Come back and tell us all about how he won, how he might win this year, and much more. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My name is Eric Balkman. He is the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, and I want to bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen, and what a treat it is in week 13 to have this guy on. He's been playing fantasy football for more than 25 years before fax machines, before fantasy football websites, and he says he can never tell his wife how many leagues he's actually in. He won the 2005 World Championship of Fantasy Football, which included $200,000 and a trip to Hawaii with Susie Colbert. Boy, that sounds pretty good. Nice. Except for the Hawaii part. I'm just kidding. (laughs) At least it was a while ago. Yeah, being... He's uh, been playing in high-stakes fantasy football for more than 10 years. He currently has the 11th place team, along with another team that is one win away from making the championship round in the FFPC main event. Please welcome into the program Paul Friel. Paul, thanks for joining us, man. How's it going tonight? It's going very well, and I don't know if being a former national contest champion garners the same um, pomp and circumstances as the presidency because once you become the president people refer to you as mr president for the rest of your life even when you're not elected or or holding that often so i i feel like it's it's okay for me to call you champ still paul even though it's been 11 years since you were that main event uh title holder i like that i'm just listening to your show earlier i i want to see how i can get in on some of these bets you guys got going i like them yeah, clearly you uh, wanted to be on my side on that last one. Whatever, man. <laughs> you know, Paul, I was talking to Balky before the show, actually earlier today, and I'm like, 
and he's like, I'm like, who's the guest? And he's like, Paul Friel. I'm like, oh, didn't he win, uh, win like, Whack Off one year or whatever? And uh, he's like, oh, I don't think so. I don't know. And so then, like, I never said I didn't think so. I said I didn't know. Fair enough. Yeah. And so then I, I'm like, uh, later tonight, he, I saw the tweet come out that, yes, you had indeed won that. And I'm like, you know, Balky, you know how I, how I remember that? And he's like, what? And I'm like, champions get remembered. Champions do get remembered. So that's right. very cool. And now, and Paul, you're in a, a sort of a, a familiar place now with, uh, with you having the 11th place team in the FFPC main event. Does it feel like deja vu all over again? Uh, it does seem a little bit deja vu. Uh, it's always exciting to have a team that's going to make it into the championship round. And it, it really makes watching games on Sunday a lot more interesting and a little bit more t- t- stressful, too, when you're trying to decide that, that last guy you need to start. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the part I always screw up. Well, to be honest, the, I, you know, the first guy, I never know who to start either. I've, I've screwed that up plenty of times. Paul, you've, you've, you've obviously had a lot of success in high-stakes fantasy football and part of the, and I feel like, and you kind of alluded to this off air, um, what you do for a living and, and the decisions that you have to make there and the skills needed for that are actually quite applicable to playing and being successful at uh, fantasy football as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how they run congruent with each other? Yeah, you know, even I have a, a old work league that I was in and I we have, would have a couple ladies in it and I would tell them how important it was for them to play and that the skills are very similar. You know, in business, you're looking at trends in the marketplace and you're anticipating that you're going to have a marketplace event, you know, a, a, a new product launch or a competitor come in. Very similar to looking at fantasy football to say, hey, this team got a new coach or they drafted Ezekiel Elliott at running back. How, how are things going to change? And I think you can apply those skills. You're looking at data. You're looking at trends. You're looking at marketplace changes. And it, it's the very, very similar to – I think fantasy football and what, what you do in prepping every week and also at the beginning of the season with the team you're going to draft. Makes a lot of sense. What, uh, where are you at on this? Well, let's, uh, well I wanted to let's, – let's talk about um, the, the – I alluded to the Saints earlier, the Saints receivers. And uh, I, I think we have an interesting question here uh, for Paul because Michael Thomas is on his team. And it's been a big reason. And we were talking about Brandon Cooks a little bit earlier. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit why you liked him as a 10th round pick in this league, what, what his role will be the rest of the season, and what do you think about him next year opposite Brandon Cooks? Does he take on more of that Marcus Colston role? Oh, definitely. You know, when I go into a draft like that, you know, one of the, my philosophies is, is that um, I play in a lot of uh, local auction leagues, and Cooks would be expensive, right? He's 15 or $20.00. But a Michael Thomas, a Richard Matthews, they're going to be one or two dollars, and I always will have you know five or six or seven of those guys that had really good good preseasons that you think they're going to be the number two receiver on a really high octane offense. So you know that the Saints defense isn't very good. You know that Drew Brees is going to throw for a gazillion yards, and often defenses will roll that safety over and double team and try, you know, you hear Bill Belichick trying to say, I'm going to take away their best player. If people are playing them, they're going to try taking away Cooks. You saw it last week when Cooks got a goose egg, and Michael Thomas is going to be open. And so I had five or six of those guys, and I took Rasheed Matthews, and I took Michael Thomas. And what you hope is that one or two of those guys that you drafted there are your ninth or tenth start in the league and really help you separate yourself from the other team. We also, you also see that um, having depth is really important. Having those guys be decent contributors on certain weeks that you really need them, 
not only because of buys, but look at all the dang injuries. I mean, I mean Gronk's now going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, there's just a ton of injuries that happen in the NFL. It's a very uh, violent sport, and you got to be deep. And you know, when you're talking about my Wyckoff league, you have to think about to win these high dollar leagues. You have to think about who breaks their leg and what player benefits the most on what team. And that, you know, that's one of the things you have to think through is how, how can I think four or five steps ahead of everybody else and have some of those players like Michael Thomas or Rasheed Matthews or um, backup running backs that end up being a starter and doing really well, well for you. You know what? Let me go back to your local auction leagues. You know, we've played in a local auction league. Balky and I have. Um, we're not doing it anymore. We play in Kentucky here and there. Um, Rob, our mutual friend producer. Yep. He was the one guy every year, every year that annoyed the hell of us, hell out of us. Yes, because every time a player would go up for a bit, he'd be like, <laughs> "He's not worth that much." Uh, everyone was getting overbid on, and then every single year we'd have two hundred bidding dollars. Rob would have like. 50 bucks left, oh, and no one's that. left. It's 50 there was one year he had $70 left. Do you have, any, do you have anyone in your leagues that is the, the Scrooge of the auction league, but then it always has this crappy team of middling guys and has money left over? You know, you're, it's so funny you bring this up. And, and if any of my friends listen to this, we do have a guy in one of my work leagues that always – we play a $100, you know, auction, and he always has like 20 or 30 bucks left. And a lot of people <laughs> misunderstand – the values, you know, he takes a sheet and says, here's what the guy's worth, and I'm not paying any more. And those premium guys, the really top guys, all go for more. And it means all the guys at the bottom, you know, when a Rasheed Matthews or a Michael Thomas or some of those guys that are supposed to be one, two, three, four, they all end up going for a dollar for all those teams because they overpaid. And that guy that wouldn't pay that money always ends up with so much more money. And we just tell him, like, how can you not just go big, go big on a certain player? Go get, you know – one player and go big and you won't have all the money left over. You have to pay over. So when I play auctions, I always see that, that the premium guys always go for a premium from whatever the number is that some site said they're worth. And you have to do that. But then, you know, you're going to come back and get a lot of guys at one or $2 that really are three or $4 guys. Very true. Uh, I want to get back to what you talked about with um, a lot of defenses rolling that safety over the number one receiver on a, on a, you know, on an opposing offense. Bill Belichick has done this to obviously a, a lot of success as long as he's been the Patriots coach, trying to take away either the best option in the offense or the best passing, uh, best receiving option in the offense. Do you think that based on what people have seen him do and see how good the Patriots have been by doing this strategy, do you think that more teams, more defensive coordinators will actually start doing this, will actually try to implement this and actually change the distance between a number one receiver and a number two receiver for fantasy purposes, making the number ones a little bit less valuable and the number twos maybe a little bit more valuable. I, I definitely agree with that. I think you saw that in New Orleans last week. I mean, that's exactly what's happened. And, you know, until somebody else can beat them, that's what, you know, they're going to do, you know, very similar to a team that can't pass, you know, I call it the Vikings is you're going to stop the run and make them pass or something. So definitely, I think that there's a lot of value. If you know that you have a really good quarterback and they're going to throw, and part of it is defense too, right? Everybody will say, oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't doing that good this year. And I, this is up here in the Chicago, you know, Wisconsin area. And I'm like, Aaron Rodgers is actually have a pretty good fantasy thing because they have to score a lot of points to win. And so having a, you know, a good quarterback that has a bad defense is part of your thought process of, 
is they're going to run it up and have to keep up and have a, a track race to keep up. So definitely. You know, you talked about Richard Matthews earlier, and, and you got him uh, right the the pick right after, or excuse me, right before Michael Thomas in this team that is in 11th place overall. Richard Matthews, uh, the 21st ranked receiver by fantasy points coming into week 13. He's obviously had a great season. Uh, but, Paul, it's probably been a struggle getting him in your lineup. You have Jordy Nelson, Julian Edelman, Kelvin Benjamin, Michael Thomas all on your roster. Have you been able to play Richard Matthews much this season? I know he's on bye this week, and he, and he would make some sense with, with obviously, a, you know, uh, Benjamin playing the Seahawks this week. But, obviously, Matthews cannot play this week. How, how many times has he been in your lineup this year? Yeah, I think he's been in there a handful of times, and I really did want to start him this week. When you saw that matchup that Kelvin Benjamin has against the Seahawks, I, uh, you would have done it, especially when you saw Kelvin Benjamin. I think last week he had a decent week only because he had one huge play. But I uh, would love to get him in more. And I actually have a co-owner with that team, and that was the debate last week. Do we put him in? Do we put him in? You know, Who do we put him in for? And it always comes down to, you know, I, I, my kids are always asking me, oh, should I start this guy? Should I start that guy? It's who would you set on the bench instead? So you know, one of the fortunate things on this team that I have, it's really deep. You know, to be, have Richard Matthews on your bench, I mean, that's really good. And so, you, you know, one of the other things when you play in these high-stakes leagues or any of the leagues, the better your bench is, those guys aren't on somebody else's team. So they could, he would have been starting on one of the other teams I could be playing and hurting. Uh, my other team that's doing really well, I have like four guys that have about over a 60 to 70% start rate in, in the whole league. And that's great they're sitting on my bench because then the other teams don't have them scoring points and, and beating me. Way to hog all the good players. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. Nice job. <laughs> Let's talk about one of the biggest thorns in my side is uh, Sammy Watkins. He's expected to play or see 35 to 40 snaps this week versus only 25 last week. I think he was like three for 80 last week or something like that, Falky. Exactly, three for 80. Sweet. Can owners uh, you know, playing for a league title this week actually trust a guy that's only going to be playing 35 to 40 snaps? It, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It depends who else they have to start. Sometimes you get put in a position that you got a player hurt or is on by that you have to. But, you know, LaShawn McCoy has been looking awesome. I mean, he's been doing really, really well. And, I mean, he's gotten big runs. And I would, be, I would prefer not to have to start him. And I prefer him when somebody's coming back from an injury like that. I, I lost a game with this number 11 team because I started Jamal Charles the first week he came back. And I, I, one of the lessons I would, could have had is keep him on the bench. And I could have started Richard Matthews or somebody else. And wait till he performs till you put him in. So I would like to see more from Sammy Watkins before I'd start starting him regularly. 2005 WCOF champion Paul Frio joining us tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. 11th place in the FFPC main event, and we're talking with uh, him about some lineup decisions, including this one. Uh, when you look at a couple of players that were drafted in uh, most leagues and uh, really haven't been started uh, initially, Terrence West being one of them who has been started quite a bit, but he's starting to fall off with uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon now uh, coming into his own. He outsnapped Terrence West last week, touched the ball on more than half his snaps, and then you look at Tyler Boyd, nine targets last week without A.J. Green. It was the second most on the Bengals, and he turned those targets into five catches for 62 yards. If you had to make the call, and I know some people will have to make this call this week, uh, Paul, between Dixon and Boyd, Kenneth Dixon at home against the Dolphins. Tyler Boyd also at home against the Eagles. If you have to play one, but you can't play both, which one are you going with? 
No question it's Boyd. And one of the things about it is he's trending up. You know why West is trending down? <clears throat> the Philly D looked, you know, not so well against the Packers last week. So definitely Boyd. But I, I do have to tell you, too, is sometimes I just root against players. And one of the guys I compete against one of my local leagues kind of has some shenanigans trying to get Boyd on his roster. So technically <laughs> I don't want him to do so well. But he's definitely trending up, and he's definitely playing a defense that's looking like they're hurting a little bit. And I don't know how you would not want to start him if you if he was one of your guys that you're down to making a decision between those other two. I think Boyd's actually a talented player too. He was had one of that high phenom scores, and then he was he flashed in preseason too. So he I think he's a talented player. I think he's much more talented than Dixon myself. And he was sort of like a, a mid round pick, you know, when mm-hmm. um, you know at that at that point of, of drafting season. So I think that that makes a lot of sense, Paul. You know, we we talk about all the success that you've had and. According to you, some of the success that you have had in high-stakes fantasy football might have something to do with the supernatural or perhaps some <laughs> super serum that was injected into you, but your superpower yeah. while you watch Red Zone. Tell us a little bit about that. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I've been, you know, I think this will be the, the sixth team, um, maybe sixth and seventeenth, that will make it to the championship round in a high-stake. And a lot of people look at me like, you know, how do you do that? And I, I can only tell them uh, I only have one superpower, and that is when I yell at that TV watching the red zone and I say, throw it to my guy, they throw it to my guy. And <laughs> it's the superpower that I have. Um, my kids That's- claim, I have three teenage boys, they claim that they have the same, they've inherited my superpower. And so it gets a little loud now on Sunday when we all are yelling at the TV to, to throw it to their guy, which kind of brings up a, a funny story when, uh, you know, 10 years ago, having teenage kids, my kids were a lot younger. And my wife used to say, you know, you, you're, you're a bad family man. On Sunday, all you do is watch football from 12 to 6. And you're not spending time with the family. And so the smartest thing I ever did, I mean, I'm talking when these, my kids were little, like 6 to 10 they were. I said, hey, you guys need to have a fantasy draft with all your kids in the neighborhood and your friends. And I went out and bought 10 different types of pops and 10 different types of chips and they, had, they started drafting and having their own league. And they're, they're so into fantasy football now that we sit on the sofa, all of us, and watch the red zone. And I tell my wife, you know, you're not a very good family lady. <laughs> you're going out shopping instead of spending the time with us watching the games? You know, what's going on? <laughs> Sounds like your wife's a saint, actually. You know, she <laughs> like reminds so much testosterone me. In your household. You have any daughters? or You have three boys and then your wife, right? Yes. And she reminded me today that she caused this problem and that before that 2005 season, she went out and bought the book Committed for Me for Christmas about a copywriter that quit to focus on winning his league. And I read the book and I said, this is me. I mean, there was a chapter there I can remember. It was called The Fantasy Football Widow. And my wife always tells me at the beginning <laughs> of the season, she says, see you later. I'll talk to you in February. And that, that book was me. And that's when I sent out an email to my high school fantasy football league that I started playing and saying, hey, you know, we should do this. We should go and be in one of these high-stake leagues. And everybody puts in an extra 100 bucks or so. And the two winners from last year draft the team. They get 25% and 25%. And the other 10 teams each get five. And all these buddies of mine said, no way, we're not doing that. But, you know, one of my best friends, Chris, said, I'm in. And we, that's when we won the high stakes league. I still keep their emails because the emails back to me were not no way. They had some explanation points and some bad words in it telling me to, you know, go, go, go away. And uh, they regretted, <laughs> I think, today that we could have had the ultimate guys weekend in Vegas do our draft 
and those winners from the year before could have drafted it. So otherwise, it was Chris and I winning Wyckoff, you know, 10 years ago. That's awesome. That is awesome. And, and you've really parlayed that success uh, even, you know, 10 years later here uh, in the FFPC main event. I want to talk about your last three years, including this one, Paul, in the main event. 2014, you didn't make it to the championship game in the main event. In 2015, you're in the league championship game. In 2016, once again, you're in the league championship, and you have another team, like you said, one win away from the championship round. So obviously the last two years were more successful than 2014. Can you tell us about any adjustments you made or any changes you made into your draft strategy or maybe waiver wire management from 2014 on that, that you have been able to sustain this success now the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, there's two, and one of them I've kind of talked to you guys about, but there's another one that I'm a little afraid to tell you because um, it's, a, it's a tactical thing that people could do. But after the 2014 year, we, we always had gone and drafted live in Vegas. You know, we, I like going to Vegas. Watching, there's nothing like watching the NFL games in Vegas at the start of the season. But what we noticed was when we first started doing this 10 years ago, that room was packed with almost 2,000 people, and that was the only way to do it. And then, you know, in 2014, we noticed there's only a couple hundred people there, and everybody that goes and drafts live, I call them a shark. They're kind of like you guys. I mean, they do it for a living. They have a radio show. They have a magazine. They have a website. Or there's, you probably know them. There's a couple guys that have 20 different teams, and, and it's almost like they do it like a business. And we had another team by accident, I think, that year that we did online. So one of the things we know that we do now is we only, even if we go to Vegas, which I still do, I was there last year, but we draft all the teams online because one of the things you need to do in a high-stakes league when you're playing against the original 11 teams and then you're advancing to play other teams, you actually need some people in your league that aren't very good. So they miss out on some of these players. When we actually draft, we X out people that aren't going to be competitive. Somebody that drafted, you know, six running backs with the first pick or when you had a guy draft like – eight Green Bay Packers. We're like, that guy's done. He's not going to beat us. So that was one. The other is, is that there's a lot of talk, and I haven't heard a lot about it, but you hear about it beginning of the season, about the, the zero running back theory. And that's one of the things we definitely did is we moved up wide receivers in our strategy that in our first four or five picks, we would prefer to have three or four wide receivers. And sometimes some of those running backs drop. I told you we took Jamal Charles like in the fifth round because it was so late, we thought we could have this stud Kansas City running back. And I'm originally from Kansas City, so I have a little bias there. And so, you know, and that's one of the things I tell people, too, about having a good co-owner is that they help you stay on your strategy of stick to some of those more wide receivers at the beginning of the year. And then what you do is you load up on these second, third-tier running backs, hoping that their starting running back or the person that they're splitting with breaks their leg. And that's what we did in, you know, 2005 is – Priest Holmes broke his neck, and Larry Johnson became a stud. And that year, actually, the funny story is my regular season record was 6-5, and five, and I got into the, you know, the playoffs on the third to last play of Monday Night Football that week because of points. And so that's kind of how we adjusted from 2014, more wide receivers, and we don't go and do the live draft. Even though we're there, we do it online. Interesting strategy and a lot of interesting stuff from Paul Friel tonight, the 2005 World Championship of Fantasy Football Champion and 11th place team in the FFPC main event. Much, much more coming up from Paul. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We'll be right back right after this on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
It's the HSFF Hour. It is week 13. It is league championship week in the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event. And we have one of those players tonight that is playing for not one, but two FFPC main event league titles. He is Paul Friel. He won the 2005 WCOF Championship, $200,000, and the Hawaiian trip with Susie Colbert that uh, came with it as well. And a big check. Yes, exactly, the big check. How did, I wonder how he got that into luggage. Yeah, yeah, Paul, how did you get the giant check in, <laughs> into, into luggage at the airport? <laughs> you know, what's so funny is uh, one of the guys that I was out there with uh, wanted, was carrying around with him, and he was single. And so he, after we won that night, he, he took it into the bars and was trying to pick up girls with that giant check of his. Um, and then we were like, you know, is he going to take it on the plane? Is he going to put it in the overhead bin? Exactly, you know, what is he going to do? It would be funny. I mean, I have so many uh, memories and memorabilia from that trip. It would, be, it would have been nice to have, actually have kept the trip. I think they told us that he could have sent us the file and we could have printed it out at Kinko's or something. But, uh, it, it was very funny, uh, uh, the check, and he was trying to pick up girls with his giant, you know, $200,000 check. How'd it go? Did he make success? I, so well for him. <laughs> you know, it, that's weird to me because every year on my birthday, I get a $50 check from my grandmother, and I like to go to uh, the local establishments here in Northeast Wisconsin. I like to, you know, just leave it sit on the bar and kind of make eyes at the women. This is, of course my single days and uh see you know they'd saunter over and say oh like hey how's it going i'm like hey great uh my name's eric and i don't know if you saw that but that's a 50 dollars check sitting on the bar right there with my name on it in wisconsin that's a lot of money yeah well that's <laughs> that true. might actually work here that, that actually was enough for three rounds for everybody at the bar that <laughs> night so that that was very cool you're like do you take a uh, two-party check yeah paul let's talk about uh the ffpc waiver wire that closed for the 2016 season in the uh, main event in the football guys players championship tonight when when you put in bids to sort of lock your, your team in now for these next four weeks, did you find yourself dropping some of the depth that you needed throughout the season for injuries, for bye week replacements, in favor of some lottery ticket, low floor, high ceiling, uh, you know, needing the starter to break a leg, as you put it, running backs? How many fantasy cliches are in that Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them lottery in this Lottery ticket, low floor, high ceiling. Yeah, what exactly. Well, uh, the starter needs to break his leg, something like that. <laughs> great. Uh, handcuffed players. How many, I mean, did you see yourself doing that in a lot of these teams, trying to get that guy who might win the whole thing for you in weeks 14 through 16? You know, the big one, the big change I made this last week is that I had sold my co-owners, and I have some great co-owners that are really into it, keeps me on strategy, you know, are always there um, you know, every week helping make sure we have the right guy started because you have to have them right started. But the one that they let me do is that I drafted Marshawn Lynch with the, Marshawn Lynch with the 20th pick in quite a few of these leagues. And I kept, you know, thinking that, you know, Seattle, they're having a good season. They keep losing running backs, and they would be so much better if he came back. And so I keep – kept hoping that he would come back and I tell people to win these big dollar stake leagues where you end up going to get compete against other teams that have similar players you have to have some I want to call them home runs but I'll call it Hail Marys guys like Marshall Lynch that come out of nowhere and really help you out so unfortunately what we did is we did drop him for some more just depth that we were looking for that we could in quite a few of the leagues that I had so I'll, I'll be kicking myself if he comes back and I could have won the whole thing having him come back, but it just doesn't look like he's coming back. So that was like the big change that, you know, 
my co-owners always look at me a little strange, like, you want to have what? Like, yeah, nobody else is going to have him. And if he comes back, it's a Hail Mary that you got a guy in the 20th round that's the starting running back for Seattle. That's pretty incredible. And you do need to think about those in these big dollar leagues. What are your Hail Marys, your home runs, that would separate yourself when you go and play these other teams? And you have to have some of those, besides drafting awesome and knowing football, but you got to have some ideas, like who breaks their leg benefits the most, and somebody like Marshawn Lynch that comes out of nowhere. Uh, Deion Lewis is a little that way, right? He really, really fell. Nobody knew when he was coming back. And um, so, so was Jamal Charles. And so you want to draft really well, but you also want some of these guys that if one of them came through, it really separates yourself that allows you to beat 200 other teams that are really good. So, Zach, you know, we're talking, let's talk a little bit about the, the actual last three weeks, the championship round 14, 15, 16. So there are certain players on your team, whether they're the your main stars that you always are playing, that they already have. You've already looked ahead, and you're like, "Oh, this guy has good matchups. He's got to get 20, 25, 30 point uh, games for you to actually win that big money." Yeah, you know, both the teams that I have going um, have what I call a pair. The one uh, team that's 11th has Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson. And you know, you guys are up in Wisconsin. You guys know where Jordy Nelson went to college? K State, baby. K-State. I'm a K-State grad, so I always, whenever he catches the ball, if anybody's watching the game with me, I ask him, hey, do you know where Jordy Nelson went to college? So I have that pair, and I also have, on the other team, I have Big Ben and Antonio Brown. And so one of the things that I look for with these two teams now is that if those two guys go off, they do great. But really in the last three weeks, you need three different guys to go off because everybody's going to have one of those guys. I mean, I, I looked at the teams that are around me. The most common denominator we, Michael Thomas was there, but Melvin Gordon was. And so I had Melvin Gordon on that number 11 team. He doesn't help me quite as much because, you know, six other teams or I think it's eight other teams in the top 20 have him too. So you've got to have some guys that, you know, had average seasons so far that didn't drive the team to get there that go crazy. So those pairs would be really good. Um, of course, I, that team I have, Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, they'd be not really nice to go off. Elliot didn't quite do as much as I would have liked him last night. So those would be a couple, some of the guys that I'm really rooting for. And like I said, the other thing that happens in the final three weeks is you want your players to do well, and you want everybody else to do bad. So having some guys have goose eggs is great. You don't want anybody having catch four touchdowns and go for 220 yards that you don't have because that person is really going to separate yourself. Somebody in those top 200 teams is going to have that guy, and he's going to come out of nowhere to steal the, the championship when a player goes off. But you need three guys for three weeks to do really, really well. And you certainly have the firepower to do that on both those squads. Let's take a couple of emails here. This first one came in tonight from Ed in Cheektowaga, New York. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, He writes, hello, champ. I know it's been a few years, but I remember you winning the 2005 WCOP as my co-manager and I had our best finish ever at 153rd. Winky face. Do you remember how you won and how stressful watching the last few games was? That is Ed in Chictawaga, New York. Thank you for the email, Ed. Paul, what about it the, in, in 2005 as you're watching those last you know, afternoon games or evening game uh, in week 16? What was that like knowing that you were on the cusp of something really, really cool? You know, it's so funny that uh, somebody asked about that because um, I can remember it was like yesterday is, you know, the last weekend was Christmas weekend and there was two games on Christmas day and you go back, I go back to Kansas city for Christmas and I'm staying at my in-laws house 
And, you know, you tell your wife, like, hey, you know, I'm going to be watching the games. Can you let your, you know, your parents know that I might be screaming a little, you know, bad. And it came down to the last, these last two games on Christmas because they, most of them they played on Christmas Eve the day before. And I had uh, – well, I was playing against uh, the wide receiver for Green Bay. I forget his name. Uh, Brett Farr was playing. And – who was, do you remember who the big – you guys are in Wisconsin. Who was the Brett Favre's big receiver up there Well, he, he had a few. Uh, Freeman? Javon Walker, Antonio Freeman. Yeah, Antonio Freeman, I think it was. No, it was, I'm sorry. It was Donald Driver. And oh, Driver, Driver yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Green Bay was losing. There's like 26 seconds left to go in the game. And I'm up, you know, I don't know, like 12 points or something for this deal. And Donald Driver can't get any more points. And I'm thinking – you know, hey, I'm going to win this. My in-laws think I'm crazy. Literally, my father-in-law Googles it, like, you know, money, and he thinks, he thinks I'm making stuff up, right? <laughs> and Brett Farr throws this pass. The, her grandparents are still alive at this point. They're sitting there on the sofa. Everybody's there. And he throws this pass to Donald Driver on their own 10-yard line, and there goes Donald Driver. And literally, if he scores, I lose. And I jump up, and I start saying the F-bomb. Tackle that, you know. <laughs> F-bomb, 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 yelling and screaming at the top of lungs. And remember, I have a superpower, right? And he goes for like 80 yards and gets tackled at the 10-yard line. And I, and I more or less win because they stopped him. And all of a sudden, I see the grandparents, my in-laws, everybody like trying to sneak away to the bedroom. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't believe I did that. And my father-in-law tells me, no, no, it's no big deal. We just didn't know NFL football was X-rated. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. That is great then, stuff. Oh, I, you know, and I, next... I forget, you know, how str- we, we play fantasy football because it is so enjoyable. But man, sometimes when you have that much on the line in week 16, it can be a real uh, stress. I remember last year's Football Guys Players Championship winner, Blake Pyle. We had him come on and uh, he talked about how he had to sweat out a stat change mm-hmm. for two days yeah. after he had, you know, taken the lead by whatever it was, less than a point or less than two points. And that, now he knows he's on top, and now he's got to wait to see mm-hmm. if there's a – I mean, I just – I can't imagine. The unofficial the, champion. Yeah, the, he was the unofficial champion, became the official champion. <laughs> uh, good for him. They needed to do like, kind of like a recount. A little bit, but – yeah, a little bit. Jill so, Stein wasn't involved. Before. No, it's not, not to our knowledge, anyway. <laughs> uh, Paul, last – But I can I, definitely I wanna... tell you that you figure out that you don't have – you're not going to have a heart attack anytime soon because if you were, you were going to have it during the middle of that game and the middle of that run, you would have gone down. Yeah, that, that's like the true fitness – they have the treadmill test. This is like the true fitness test. Yeah, the, 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 test. the fantasy physical, as it were. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's – save money on health care and uh, just – Get a high-stakes team with the FFPC. Uh, final email tonight. Mike in Paramount, California. Does the green injury make Eifert benchable down the stretch with all the double teams he's going to see? Thanks, Paul. That's oh, Mike on. in Paramount, California. Well, this is something that I think uh, owners at, have to at least consider. Uh, obviously, Eifert has been very good while he's been in there this year. Um, but I don't know. This, this right, seems a little bit more on the extreme side. Paul, your thoughts on uh, Eifert as a possible bench down the stretch? I would, if I knew him better, I would jokingly tell him that if you got any of the Bengals players, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> I mean, that's not untrue. It, you know what's crazy, and I don't know if, Dave, we, we didn't talk about this. You know Rex Burkhead, 
actually had more snaps than Jeremy Hill last week. Yeah, he was doing really poorly early on, and then he uh, he got he got a lot later. And Hill's day was sort of saved by that six catches for 61 yards. Yeah. I was blown away because I, I thought Burkhead didn't do much, but then I found him like, wow, he was actually in there more than Hill, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So you jokingly say that, uh, Paul, about, you know, if you have a Bengals player, you're probably not going to win. I don't know how many are going to be fantasy relevant until A.J. Green gets back. I agree. You know, I'm, I have Hill on one of those teams, and he's always that ninth, tenth guy that you're thinking about starting. And I'm, I was hoping last week that he would, you know, really go off being getting all the carries. But he hasn't, and I'm just not a big Bengals fan um, in general. So you don't like stay uh, away. the great Andy Dalton? Yeah. We, which we, I think we have an SOS coming up later on the, the show fair, about Andy the Dalton. fair-haired superstar? Yes, exactly. All right, so, Paul, this is our final question to you, my friend. Give us an early-round stud that people should consider benching this week. This is, you know, championship week for league title games, so you're going to win people money or lose people money here if they listen to the show, which is doubtful. No, my mom's listening. Seriously consider benching this week as well as a player that not many people will start this weekend that you think will have a good performance. You know, the first one that I would bench, uh, if you could, it depends who you have your option. But New England has a lot of stuff going on. No Gronk. I, I, and Brady just did not look good last week. And so I, I would, if you had an opportunity, if you have, like, David Carr on your bench, or I have David Carr as a backup quarterback, uh, 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 Carr uh, as a backup, it's, I would bench Brady if you could. And the person that I would start, you guys know that I'm a little homer with the Chiefs, but Hill's been looking awesome. I mean, what, he had three touchdowns last week. He's been getting tons of catches. He plays on the special teams. I don't know how you cannot put that guy in your lineup if you have him. All right, you know, I'm glad you said Brady. So in the, in the Blake Carrington dynasty league, the yeah, and I are famous in, dynasty league. I'm yeah. trying – Balky's in the same division as me. He's one victory point behind me. Unfortunately. So I have Brady currently in there versus the Rams. But I also have an option of Carson Palmer at home against the Redskins or Tyrod Taylor at Oakland – um, in a you know probably high scoring game, I'm looking at these projected points. I don't know who they get them from. Like some fan, it's not draft sharks. It's probably fantasy sharks. And Brady's actually the lowest projected, 19.66 versus 20 and 21. What do so, you think, Brady yeah. Palmer or Tyrod Taylor? I'm giving you a who does just because I'm lazy. I, I would go with uh, Tashon Taylor. Is Tyrod Taylor Palmer hasn't been looking so good lately that he's been trending down, and Buffalo's been looking good. I'm not a big fan of Oakland. They're smoke and mirrors. They've won two or three games, you know, pulled it out of nowhere. I, I actually think Buffalo's going to beat them this week, too. So I would, I would take Taylor. You know what? I'm, I'm going to – I put Taylor in there right now. I might just, I'm going to leave him in. Yeah, I just – I, I, I can corroborate this. I just witnessed Dave take Brady out, put Taylor in his lineup. So he has Taylor in his lineup this week. Why not? Let me ask it's you – It's all about fun. One final question. You bring yep. up Tyreek Hill. How does – if Jeremy Macklin is back this week for Kansas City, is Macklin sort of an afterthought after missing so much time? And, and Tyreek Hill, um, with the emergence that he's had in this offense, is Hill actually the guy to play over Macklin if you own both? I, I think it's definitely so. The way he's been, even the way he's been getting catches. And once again, I would want to wait to see. That's not the case with Macklin first, right? Is he going to come back very long? Uh, you know, the other suggestion you were asking about the quarterbacks to start, if you really don't know and you're playing head-to-head against somebody, let, the, let your competitor choose which one of those guys. And then, obviously, that guy that he chooses for you is going to do better so that you can give him a hard time about it that he chose him. 
I always like the reverse psychology. That is always a great <laughs> aspect of torture in fantasy football, which we enjoy. It has not been torture for you, Paul Friel, as you are in 11th place in the FFPC main event. Also, uh, one win away from getting another team in the championship round as well. Congrats again on the big 2005 victory in the WCOF. Best of luck to you the rest of this season. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. We really appreciate it. A lot of great stories from you, a lot of great information, which we always love. Thanks a lot, and uh, best of luck to you going forward. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Paul Friel, ladies and gentlemen. What what a treat that was. That was great. A lot, a lot of, I always like the um, the stories of these guys who are sweating it out on, on Sunday night or Monday night of Week 16. And when, when everything's on the line, the driver story, fantastic. You know, what we should do, you know, I, I'm thinking about this, you know, bringing Paul on and how, we, how you remember people who won these championships. We should bring on a lot of the former FFPC champions that, that haven't, there's a few that haven't been on, most have been on. But, it, we, you know, we don't usually like to recall people, but maybe do a, do a recall in that respect, bring on some of our former champs. And just, uh, I don't know, I think it'd be fun. And even some of the WCOF champs. Right. Um, you know what I think we could do? Is, um, we should get that first W Cup champ who doesn't even play fantasy anymore. Bring him back. Chris Shussman? Like, <laughs> Shussman. Yeah. Yeah. Shussman, what are you doing? Yeah. Get Rob Zarzicki on here. I know he hasn't – he still plays, and he did really well those first two years. And be like, yeah. Rob Z, how's poker going? Yeah. Tell us about it. You know who we've never had on this show blast, before? Last from the past month. Oh, who's that? The inaugural FFPC main event champion. Who? First guy who's ever won a main event title. Chad Schroeder. Never been on the show. He dogs us all the time. L- listens to the show, though. <laughs> I know he listens. Chad's a cool guy. He's I really very like cool. We, you know, he's always really nice on email. Well, Unless we're talking about Alex. What you we, know, it's like, yeah, I mean, Alex, you know. Well, listen, that's <laughs> true of anybody. You bring up Alex, it's just like, I got to go. It's like, Alex won't change the rules to how exactly how I want them. Yeah. And uh, Alex just is a general jerk to me. It's just, <laughs> listen, I feel I your pain, he, people. He, you know, he respects Alex because Alex signs the checks and they always cash and they go through. <laughs> right. So he's and they're always made out to Chad Schroeder. I think he's happy with, with Alex. Um, we have our 300th episode coming up next year, I think. Jeez. It would be cool to have, it would be cool to have on. You know, this is by the all way, the former champs. This is proof that your four minute intro where you give our Twitter crap out yeah. is a waste of time. Why? No one follows. We've done all these shows. No one goes on there like oh, blah 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 at Eric Falkman at David. No one does that. Get rid of it. Listen, Rob, I, cut it. I can't speak to your Twitter account, but mine blows up on Friday nights. <laughs> High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour at HSFF Hour on Twitter rolls on with your emails and tweets right after this. I'm Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Week 13 is upon us. Football Guys Players Championship and FFPC main event owners battling for their league titles and maybe the right to move on into the championship round. It is an exciting week, but it is an important week. We know you have a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. Let's get to them right now in Fantasy Feedback. If you've got a question for Eric Dave or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at HSFFHour on Twitter. Email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com or at HSFFHour on Twitter. First email tonight coming to us from Ende in Burlington, Massachusetts. He writes, I refuse to believe that all these teams that waited on quarterback have better options than Kaepernick. Dude has been crazy good since he got the job. True. And I got him everywhere I could. 
or am I just crazy insane and will be let down in the fantasy playoffs? Thanks for the email. Enday in Burlington, Massachusetts. Dave, the Kentucky uh, waiver wire uh, locked up this week as well. Tonight, actually. It locks, actually hasn't locked yet. It's going to oh, really? lock in about a What do you like? Hmm. Well, I, I'm done. So I put in all my bids that I needed uh, for this season, made sure I had two quarterbacks. I made sure I had two kickers. I usually had multiple tight ends. For the auction team? What's no, for, auction for team? all of them. It's in second place right now. That's really good. Our team has fallen off the cliff. I've noticed, <laughs> and I feel like I that's you should be taunting the, me more. the hundred bucks that we always put this year. I feel uh, like feel good that that's finally going to be coming my way uh, uh, after many good. years of, of me donating to you. I think I, you know, I the problem was I think that Leroy and I we were doing this. I think I, I'll tell you what the problem is if you want to know the problem. The problem was buying Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck. No, I, I think I, I think I drank too much. Well, I I I might have been drinking I, a little bit too nah, much. Ah, come on. And I'll tell you this: when you walked away, <laughs> the auction took a long time. When you walked away, I had too many drinks. When you walked away from the table to, I think you had some like football guys thing you had to take care of or whatever. Yeah, there was a there was a midnight draft, and I was making sure that it filled up, and I was you know I was doing my duty still. Well, then the real Leroy took over, and I thought your team actually improved there. <laughs> he, but did, he did pretty well. Actually, he did very well. He got a lot of those. We we. <laughs> We did screw that whole thing up. Well, it was a 14 teamer, and then we got ended up with two so-called stud quarterbacks. We only right. put like 20 bucks. And in your defense, they have not always been healthy on the same weeks, you know. So it, it yeah. has helped to be able to plug them in. Yeah, our team sucks. Uh, anyway, back to Kaepernick. Yes. So as you look at his schedule for the remainder of the season, I love him this week at Chicago. I mm-hmm. think that makes a lot of sense. Then he goes to the Jets the following week. That's another good matchup. Then he's at the Falcons. That could be a potential garbage time game at Atlanta. Yeah. And then in week 16, at Los Angeles. I mean, this, this makes a lot of sense to have Kaepernick. If you waited on quarterback, man, you're going to be hard-pressed to find better options on your team over Kaepernick. I think he's going to be locked into a lot of lineups here. You know, I'd norm- if this was any other person on the planet, any other quarterback, I'd agree with you. I, I just – I, I can't put a communist on my team. I can't. I, I Castro-loving communist not go- on my team. Baldwin. You keep politics off this show, young man. <laughs> I am not going to take the bait. We are going to uh, stay out of this. You know what? You're Politics aside. <laughs> politics aside, yes, I, I would add him anywhere. I could. Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, so my whole point about Kentucky is and, that. And so I said he'd rather replace Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um. Trust me, Trump would be great. Believe me. Yeah, believe me. <laughs> um, I actually picked up Kaepernick in, in a couple of these leagues as Smart. as my and, and I'll tell you what. In one of them, I, I actually have Matthew Stafford and Colin Kaepernick, and I'm looking at him like this is actually a tough decision this week. Well, Stafford against the Saints was just too much, but Kaepernick at the Bears, man. I mean, the Bears they have nobody healthy right now. Mm-hmm. Frankly, you and I could walk down there Sunday morning and be like, hey. You got any spots for any DBs? Sure, come on in. We'll get you a jersey. You know, so they're so beat up right now. You know what's going to happen with Kaepernick? What he's going to? You know, like seven. He's gotten to be too much of a problem for the NFL. One of their security guys. He's going to. He looks a little bit like Gus's guy on Breaking Bad. Oh, uh, Mike Ehrmantraut. Yeah, he looks a little bit like him. They're going to. They're going to find a little crack in his jacket. <laughs> He's going to plant evidence. Hey, they're, they're going to find it. I'm not sure how it's going to get right. there. It's in his locker. Right. Yeah. All right. He's well, going to get suspended. You know, so be wary. Of, be weary. Be wary. Watch out for Kaepernick. How and in uh, upcoming suspension, you heard it here first, folks. How strongly do you feel about <laughs> the crack being found on Colin Kaepernick? 
I might need really big odds for I could for give the, you for, for the crack plan. I'll tell you what, if we went to the Westgate right now, that would be off the board. <laughs> Don in Wallingford, Connecticut, Dear Balk and Gers, Percy Harvin, Robert Woods, and Marquise Goodwin all might miss this week. And Sammy Watkins is playing on a bad wheel. Are Tyrod Taylor's legs still good enough to keep him in my lineup this week? Or is this too much for T-Mobile to overcome? TIA, that is Don in Wallingford, Connecticut. I don't honestly don't know who. If Watkins doesn't play this week. Watkins is playing. 40 snaps. Well, that's the plan, but he's listed as questionable. So we don't know. Okay, so you have a hobble. Let's just say he's active. You have Watkins playing on a broken foot, and you have Charles Clay. You have Watkins, who went three for 80 on 20-plus snaps and is healthy enough. He's not healthy. He's for sure not healthy. Healthy Wednesday, he missed practice because he said his foot was sore. Oh, okay. So, I, I mean, there's just... The thing is, like Tyrod Taylor, and actually, and I'll, He's a, I always, know everybody's sick of this, but I'm going to bring it up, my obligatory Scott Fishbowl reference of the week. Matt Schauff and I have been playing Tyrod Taylor every single week. And I'm still playing him, obviously, because of the bonuses you get for rushing attempts in that format. But, my God, it's, it's – he's only one man. You know, he cannot carry an entire offense. Shady McCoy is obviously going to be a, a big part of both the running and passing game. He's got a high floor, though. You could, yes, he does have a high floor. And honestly, if you look at your matchups and if you don't have that explosive guy behind him, like, okay, how about we put it this way? Who would you rather play, Colin Kaepernick or Tyrod Taylor? Uh, Taylor. See, I think I might go Kaepernick in that, in that circumstance. Okay, name a good receiver that Kaepernick is throwing to. Vance McDonald. No. Carlos Hyde. Nope. Jerry Rice. If he was playing, probably. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. So you'd still play Taylor. I would have to think about it, but right now I'd lean lean towards Kaepernick the way he's been playing. And then at Chicago, I mean, seriously. I'll play I'll play the American Tyrod Taylor. By the way, Tyrod Taylor, I don't know if it makes a difference for you, Dave, but Buffalo is actually at Oakland this week. Does the, that make a difference to, for the, you at all? Patriot Tyrod Taylor. What? <laughs> Tyrod Taylor at Oakland. Yeah, it's going to be high scoring. Oakland's not really okay. good defensive. All right, Oakland, the tenants who, you know, fraud team. Although, you know, at home they play pretty well. Yeah. Janikowski was out in boost 50-yard field goals all the time. Aunt Jemima, Justin Hunter. Maybe he's the he's the sneak play for, <laughs> for it all this week. Um, Taylor still has better wide receivers than Kaepernick. Great point, AJ. Uh, Dave just seconded it. Cut right, Steve. Cap may run for 150 against Chicago. He might in the first quarter. That's actually true. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for both quarterbacks this week. However, a little bit bearish on Tyrod Taylor. Moving on. I'm just trying to make me feel good about the Carrington-Brady swap. Henry in Norcross, Georgia. Hey, guys. I can't imagine Tavon Austin plays this week unless by some miracle he practices tomorrow. Newsflash, he didn't. Do you think Britt is actually a solid start with the Pats stacking the box against Goff to stop Gurley? That is Henry in Norcross, Georgia. Yes. Thank you for the email. Britt! Yeah! yeah. You know, it makes actually, a lot of sense. I was looking at some of the – you know, I, I subscribed to a few different sites, like Football Guys, Fancy Guru, Draft Sharks, FF Mastermind. They have – I was just shocked. Britt was in, like, the 20s in a lot of the rankings. I'm yeah. Like, Whoa, where did this all come yep. from? And um, I barely been paying attention, but I saw that Tavon Austin's probably not going to play. So, yeah, it makes sense. Usually the Patriots try and take out the best player on the right. other team, and Kenny Britt is not that player. It's they, they, Gurley, they, right? They, they still think it's Gurley. Gurley, I mean, right. Gurley, and Gurley's not been doing well because of the fact they've been stacking boxes. So I think Britt's going to kind of get his. What about he's get a dozen? I think he gets ten as well targets. New England obviously has not been the strongest defense defending the tight end. What about Lance Kendricks as a sneaky play this week? I actually like Kendricks in spite of uh, Ron Meyer, two packer. You know, in our group chat, the group chat blew up about Lance Kendricks today. Claiming that Kendricks was not a good start. Right. 
uh, for Leroy's Who Snarted team. <laughs> That's actually Kurt's. Oh, Kurt's Who Snarted team, team yeah. Which uh, Meyer was in. Meyer had by far the best team in that league. Let's not get into this. Ball, ball, I, let me tell the story uh, real quick. Go ahead. This team, the forgotten man in this league, was by far the best team in this league. And this, is in, was, this is in Kentucky. In Kentucky. His team was so good that he got to choose his opponent. Because my, it's the sweep bonus. He had the, he had the best record and most points, so he gets the opportunity to choose which playoff team he gets to face in the opening round. Which is awesome, but don't ever ask for that in FFPC because that will actually take work and we're not going to do it. Right. So anyway. So we don't work. We don't like to work. So Balky, Meyer asked in our group chat, oh, hey, who should I pick? And Balky said to pick this. Sean, Sean, Sean Ligon. Sean Ligon. Kentucky team. royalty. Sean Ligon. Very talented player. Ligon scored 207 points. It wasn't 207. It was a lot. It was I mean, like 170. Whatever something. it was. It was like he destroyed. So he scored 100 and something. Right. And the, okay, can I tell the whole story? Do we have time? The whole yeah. story, the team name, the Forgotten Man, came from Kurt in that league. Um, okay, uh, so, fourth, so yeah, Myers, the Myers' team name is the Forgotten Man. Yes, and so the 14th Kurt's team round. was who snarted. Yes. In the 14th round, you tell this story better. I just want to make sure everybody... Yes, in the 14th round, Meyer was up. They were, they were kind of in similar spots, and, and uh, Meyer's like, oh, I'll take the Forgotten Man, Devontae Adams. And Kurt's like... And they were sitting next to each yeah, other at the Kurt's draft. Like, I took him two rounds ago. <laughs> right. So then, like, which was really funny. So Meyer renamed his team the Forgotten Man. Kurt had Adams. And heading into the Monday night on Monday, right. Kurt was down like, I don't know, like 20 120 something. to 93.65. Yeah. And he had Starks in there um, just as like a you know, high floor type guy and Adams on his bench. So he swapped in Adams for Starks. For James Starks, yeah. And Adams went off. <laughs> so Kurt ended up winning like 121.95 or whatever to 120. Meyer scored 124. Kurt wins because of Adams. Right. Meyer loses because Balky gave terrible advice to yeah. start against this other guy. So now Kurt's in a championship round, and it's great. All right. Moral That's- of the story, don't play Sean Ligon. <laughs> don't listen, so to, great. don't love- listen to me. Monday night, you know, Monday it, night was it, so fun. It, I had such a great time. It's funny because Meyer said, normally I go the opposite of what Balky says, but in this case I had three choices. <laughs> so he couldn't go the opposite. When he told he should have played against Kurt, he was by far the worst. Um, okay, so we, Henry Norcross, Georgia. Yes, we like Britt this week. It's to finish up the point. Matt in Bryan, Texas. Paxton Lynch is now starting for Denver, and Jacksonville has only given up five touchdowns to receivers since October 1st. Am I nuts to bench Emmanuel Sanders this week? Respectfully, Matt in Bryan, Texas. Thank you for the respectfully. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, okay. Emmanuel Sanders, it's going to be tough for me to bench him, but man, if you do, I, I, Totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, just I, his, I don't hate that bench. His question makes a lot of sense, actually, where it's like, you know, Lynch is not that great. I mean, he's still, still this young guy. So it, it Again, it, it kind of depends upon who else you have. I look at this offense, and I feel like, well, okay, if this is going to be a bad Sanders week, what do they do? Well, maybe they ride Devontae Booker a little bit harder this week against Jacksonville, and maybe they try to control the game, let Paxton Lynch manage it a little bit more rather than win it. And maybe Booker is actually a decent start. I don't know too many people who have Devontae Booker who are not playing him this week. I think if you have him, you probably have him in your lineup already. But that would make more sense because I think he gets more touches this week. Uh, Demarius, it's still a road game, too. So it's like right. you know, Lynch on the road. Demarius Thomas, do you think he's affected at all? Yeah, I think they're both affected. I think they're both. I, I think Sanders is affected more. But, I, I, you know, again, I'm not benching Demarius they're both, Thomas. They're both super talented. So as long as Lynch can get it, you know, if they're open and he can throw fairly accurately, they're going to get their numbers. But right. 
That is a question. That is a question. Jacksonville does kind of still suck, though, so that's, that's a good thing. Aunt Jemima wants to know, Devontae Booker or Todd Gurley this week? Gurley against the Pats, Booker against the Jags. This is easy for me. I'd probably go Gurley. Booker, baby. <laughs> totally going Devontae Booker. Uh, okay. It's, it's that easy for you. Dear Laurel and Hardy, are you guys expecting any kind of Landry or Stills bump if Parker misses, or is it just simply start the former and bench the latter this week? Enjoy the show every week. Thanks. That's Tony in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So Devontae Parker has not practiced this week. It does not sound like he's playing. I don't think – I mean, it makes sense that Jarvis Landry's in there. Would you play Kenny Stills at all this week, or is this just – too circumstantial uh, or, or is this is he just too much of a shot in the dark with Miami putting such an emphasis on Jay in the running game I mean I'd, I'd rather play someone that I feel can consistently get some targets at, you know what I mean like I just don't feel like confidence stills in general right. I mean, he's so look big, elsewhere a big play type guy I'd rather not play stills the Parker injury is not a, Parker being out is not enough for you to take a second look if at you're stills. truly desperate it helps but otherwise try and find something else hopefully Final email tonight. Morning, guys. My guy, Marcus Mariota, who has carried my sorry team this far, has me on the brink of the playoffs, but I need a win to get in. Do I start Dalton or Flacco this week to get me there? That is John in Ocala, Florida. Is that how you pronounce that? Last, uh, last line? I'm not sure. I know I've been to Florida. Osala? Is it Osala? I think Osala. Osala, Florida. Any Floridians can give us some help? That'd be great. O-C-A-L-A. So Marcus Mariota has carried this guy, obviously Tennessee and Cleveland, which actually I, I meant to put that in the FFPC email this week. Tennessee and Cleveland are both on bye this week, so you yeah. cannot play them. Ocala. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to listen to the show. Okay, Ocala. Sorry. Ocala. For God's sake, we're just dipped into the matrix <laughs> hearing us. I had a YouTube Ocala. Uh, cut right, Steve. Ocala. There you go. So Ocala wants to know, or John and Ocala wants to know, Andy Dalton or Joe Flacco this week? Dave, And if we look at the schedule, Andy Dalton is at home against the Eagles and Joe Flacco is at home against the Dolphins. Which one would you rather play? Uh, So, okay. Dalton home against Philly. Yep. Flacco at home against Miami. Miami's improved. They are. Um, I think I'm going (laughs) to, I think I'm going to go Flacco. I would actually say Dalton in this case. Um, I know both are home quarterbacks, so you can't really differentiate there. I know Dalton's a little bit hamstrung with A.J. Green, but I, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit better uh, about uh, about his um, focus, the, the role he's going to have in the offense. I know he's, they're not going to have any designed runs for Dalton, but I think the, the fact that he's a little bit better on his legs than Flacco might be the difference in this game because I think Could both right. of them should put out similar output. I just like Dalton. There's got to be – I mean, better. in truth – there's probably someone on waivers that might be a better option. Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, whether it's Kaepernick, the communist, or somebody else, I'm not sure who it's going to be. <laughs> that's going to be yes, that the, is, that's the new, new thing. Yes. Colin, uh, Colin, the Cap, uh, Colin the communist. Or the okay. revolutionary, whatever you want to call it. Right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for the uh, league title game preview show here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football. I want to thank Paul Friel. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, you for hanging out with us tonight or listening on the uh, show on the replay tomorrow. If you missed any of the show tonight, Fantasy Sports Radio Network will have the replay at 3 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Check that out. Chris Carlson will be on the High Stakes 
uh, Lowdown next Thursday. So check that out. Did you pause because I always say it the other way? That's what you're kind of not knowing how to say it. Kind of, yeah. It, it was something like that. Enjoy Week 13. Good luck in your league championship games. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. And high stakes, low down. It is not hard to say. <laughs> you, need to, you need to work out a little more. How I say it? Yeah. High stakes. Slow down. <laughs> you need to pause more, otherwise it's high stakes. It's a down. pregnant pause. It's an industry <laughs> term.